Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Today, we got a Q&A. We have a lot of good questions today, so we are going to start it off with Clara, or Clara, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but it says... In regards to your diet, what is the best way to go about losing some extra pounds but not losing your muscle that you have gained? Mm. Uh, really good question. I think this is uh, – I can't believe we don't get this more often. I mean, I talk about one of the primary goals during a fat loss phase is ma- maintaining your muscle. We never actually get questions on how to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so the best way to go about losing body fat – I mean, I can even honestly like – I think there's uh, there's the really, really simple stuff that, like, is just like, make sure you're kind of, you know, crossing your T's, dotting your I's. And then there's the stuff that's like, eh, that's like a 1% difference, but I'm doing it. But so crucial, I'll share yeah. it. Yeah, so I'll share that. Because I think there's, you know, it, it really depends on what you're after. Like, I, I approach a fat loss phase so as, like, I mean, as mu- how many days, if I look at the last decade, like, how many days I've trained I'm like, I will do every little fucking thing to save every half ounce of muscle I can. You yeah. know what I mean? Like anything. And then there's other people who are like, I just generally want to lose weight and I probably should think about maintaining muscle because it's healthier for me, right? Yeah. So number one, it's, it's really, really simple. Protein, strength training. Those are the two biggest things because both of those initiate the muscle protein synthetic response, which is really just muscle protein synthesis goes up. So there's muscle protein synthesis and muscle protein breakdown. Muscle protein breakdown is typically what happens when we go uh, too long without protein or we're fasting or we're in a catabolic state um, or uh, we're essentially in the middle of strength training. So when we're strength training, we're creating muscle damage, muscle breakdown, and we want to limit breakdown, increase synthesis because muscle protein synthesis spikes a signal in order to recover, rebuild muscle tissue or maintain muscle tissue. Um, now, the other thing I will say is is that it's not as simple as like, oh, you're asleep, muscle protein breakdown. You're awake, muscle protein synthesis. Just like it's not as simple as catabolic and anabolic. Anabolic being you're building, catabolic being you're breaking down. Those are two states the body goes in, but even in a surplus of calories, you go through catabolic periods of time. And sometimes it's useful. Like you, your body is constantly balancing out catabolism and anabolism. So um, I don't think people should pay too much attention to that or get into the weeds with that. The big thing is that we want to do things that initiate muscle protein synthesis because the more we can send that signal to go on or up during a diet, the more likely we are to maintain muscle tissue. Um, and basically what that means is number one, we got to strength train. Strength training sends that signal to build, right? Um, so resistance training is going to spike muscle protein synthesis. Now, how often, how to, how to spike it most effectively from resistance training, stuff like that. That is splitting hairs to a degree where you don't have to worry about it. Quite literally, you, any type of strength training is going to initiate MPS. Um, how often I would recommend, if we're really trying to focus on muscle tissue or maintaining muscle, I think people should be training at least four days a week. Um, there's situations and times where like a three-day full body plan makes sense if that's all you can do. I mean, we have a three-day full body plan in the app. Um, but if you're serious about building muscle, if you're serious about maintaining muscle tissue, four days is, is in my opinion, like the minimum, but it's also usually yeah. the sweet spot for most people. Most people do best on, on four days. Um, I typically like four or five days just because one, I'm busy. Um, 
but like for for example, I do five days, but I do Monday through Friday. It's hard for me to get in the gym on the weekends, but I like lifting more than I like anything else. So I'd rather lift five days a week. Totally. Right. Um, six days great for an advanced lifter too, and that's fine. But four to six days a week, you're lifting, and then with protein you got to hit your minimum threshold. So we know that like about 0.8 grams per pound is like the minimum we need. Uh, but there is some research that shows having a little bit more protein during a deficit might be advantageous to a adhere to the diet better. And that's mainly just because of satiety. If you know, I'm technically not allowed to say that protein can't store as body fat. There's just no research to prove it. The reason I say that is because there's a lot of researchers who will get into the weeds and they're like, yeah. you really can't say that because there's mechanisms in the body that will store anything you consume in excess. And that's true. There are metabolic processes that should be able to store protein. And the researchers who have done studies on protein overfeeding and no fat accumulation has happened don't have an answer as to why, really. Um, it's kind of a, it's honestly kind of a mystery because there's only so much that goes to building muscle. So you would think it's like, oh, if you just eat more and you're going above, you're just building more muscle, right? It's totally. like, well, no, once you go over like 0.8 to one gram per pound, you're not building any more muscle from eating more protein. Um, very arguably. Um, now, maybe in some crazy scenario where we have like an extremely advanced bodybuilder who has a ton of muscle tissue, maybe because they're in a different genre and there's no studies on those people. They're just not in research. Um, but we can't prove that, right? Um, but there's no study showing protein storing his body fat for whatever reason. So um, it's nice because we can go into a calorie deficit and maybe – I got a client I did this with recently. Like adherence was bad, but I didn't want to take them out of the diet. And the only reason adherence was bad is because they were hungry. So they ended up going over calories on clean food. So I was like, hey, let's just bump protein up to an unnecessary amount. So eating like 1.5 grams per pound. And it cured satiety and cravings. And they yeah. still lose weight, lost weight. And we didn't. We actually bumped calories up by doing that, but it was just protein. So, um, there's an argument for that, but then there's also an argument, uh, because there was, I believe one study that actually showed more muscle maintenance during a deficit when protein was higher. And I want to say the protein was like 1.2 grams per pound. So when I go into a deficit, like, like right now, I think I'm at 1.2. So I'm 175 pounds. Yeah. I'm at about 1.2, just under that. So the the, I have uh, a lot of clients where we'll go like 1.1, 1.2 grams per pound. Um, and then I have the rare case, like I just said, 1.5. And granted, like when somebody, like I have a female who's 130 pounds or less, that's usually when we go 1.5. If I have a uh, somebody who has 50 pounds, 200 pounds, and they have like 40 to 50 pounds to lose, I'm not putting them at 1.5. I will put them at their body weight, knowing that they should be at 150 pounds or, or grams because their goal weight is 150, but I'm still at 200. That yeah. makes sense in yeah. certain scenarios. Uh, but the point is, is we want to have at least the minimum amount of protein in order to maintain as much muscle tissue as possible. And then maybe lean on the higher side simply because we want to ensure that we're getting a little bit extra to maintain muscle. And then there's also the fact that, you know, when we are consuming protein, like even for me, like I'm consuming 200 grams of protein per day. Um, not 100% of that protein comes from high uh, or really, really valuable amino acid-based uh, uh, protein sources, right? So some of it's from, like I just had oats, some of the proteins from there. That's not the best muscle building protein because it's not high in certain amino acids. Whereas in the oats or in the pro uh, powder? In the oats, oh. right? But the whey protein powder in there is very valuable. Mm -hmm. So we would call that trace protein because oats have like, if I have a 60 grams of carbs from oats, it might have only like a few grams of protein. But by the end of the day, you end up adding up 
protein. So what I typically like to do in some scenarios would be if somebody like for me, I weigh 175 pounds, I'm getting 175 grams of protein from good quality sources. And then I have 25 extra grams per day. That's just coming from random sources. That's not as valuable. That's a good bet to lean on when you're going through a cut. Uh, But the main thing we want to focus on is your strength training and you are uh, eating enough protein and maybe you could throw in and get enough sleep. Now, what else can we do? This is where it's like the, the little tiny details. I'm supplementing with creatine every single day. I'm actually supplementing with extra creatine every day, which there's no real good studies to prove that you should be consuming more than five grams of creatine per day. Um, but it's like a teaspoon, tablespoon, whatever the scooper is in the supplement yeah. thing. I don't know. It's probably about a teaspoon, yeah. um, whatever the first form scooper is. But um, five grams per day, three to five grams per day is typically like the, the dose that they recommend. There's no good studies to show that more of that is necessary. Um, but I've, I've had discussions with two different researchers, uh, both of which have master's PhDs and all that stuff. And it's Chris Bearcat uh, and Jackson, which both have been on the podcast. And both of them like to go above that with certain individuals mm. for some theoretical reasons. I'm all for it. So I'm testing it out. So I'm mm. going a little bit above that. But in general, I think you should have five grams. And I think their argument is pretty simple. Like when you're going into deficit, you're going to get less creatine from um, from meat and food sources. You're also going to be depleting glycogen, carbohydrates, sodium, water, glycogen. Those things help you uh, create ATP and fuel training and store creatine and all that stuff. But if we're depleting those things, maybe we have less storage going on. Um, and there's also some reason to believe like there's not a ton of good research of like bodybuilders with high volume training using above average amounts of creatine. Gotcha. So there might be an argument for it, but it's not really, I think it's splitting hairs. Um, I'm sponsored by first form. I can use two scoops a day and it's not going to like hurt my pocket if I'm being honest. So I'm like, yep, I'm down. Let's do it. Let's try it. Yeah. I'll take every potential ounce of muscle I can maintain on this process. But regardless, creatine is going to help you maintain muscle. It's going to help you maintain performance. Um, diet breaks along the way are probably going to help you maintain muscle too. There's not a lot of good research here. Uh, the research study Dr. Campbell did where he had the five days on two days off. So the two day refeeds every weekend, they showed more muscle maintenance, but it's hard to base it off of that because the way they measured muscle tissue, um, they measured muscle tissue after a refeed was done and it showed that they were maintaining more muscle tissue. Problem with that is that 65% of your muscle is water. So if we have a refeed and I'm taking a bunch of carbohydrates in, I'm storing more water in the muscle tissue and then I test how much muscle tissue I have, it's going to say I have more muscle tissue because yeah. I just had a bunch of carbs. Um, so a lot of people were like, ah, you can't make that claim based on the way you tested it. My only argument is if 65% of your muscle is water and more frequently we're re- replenishing that, could be more water. You're probably going to have more muscle tissue at the end of this yeah. diet because you're consistently replenishing that more versus going 16 weeks of dieting without ever replenishing it or like every couple weeks you're replenishing it. You're probably going to end up with a little more muscle tissue at the end of it. Um, the other reason I would say diet breaks is because uh, on the ice cap trial where they did full week-long diet breaks, I want to say it was like it's either like two to three weeks of dieting and one week off, I think. Um, and they showed an increase in muscular endurance after or during – the, the, the diet breaks, which would make sense. Again, you're filling your glycogen stores up. You can probably crank out a few extra reps. Well, if strength training is the best way to spike muscle protein synthesis and volume is the key driver of hypertrophy, if we're using diet breaks every once in a while and we intentionally, like, for example, like uh, I did four sets of eight uh, on dumbbell bench press yesterday, right? And I'm in a deficit, yeah. right? I just started, so it's not really affecting me. But let's say I was doing four sets of eight and I was like six weeks into a diet. Uh, on week seven, if I did a diet break, I'd probably be able to get like four sets of 10, right? But that's 
two times four, which is eight reps times 100 pound dumbbells times two, because it's 200 technically. So 200 times eight, you know, that's a lot of volume. So it's 1600 pounds of volume extra on that workout, which sounds like way more than it is because you can go do a workout and push 100,000 pounds in a workout technically. But that's what maintains muscle tissue is sets times reps times volume. So if I do a diet break and I'm able to just literally get one extra rep on everything I do, that's going to lead to more muscle growth, but in a deficit, more muscle maintenance. So using diet breaks in order to increase muscular endurance every few weeks and just squeezing out a few extra reps, that's probably going to be something really helpful. Um, getting enough sleep is obviously going to help maintain muscle because um, sleep is an anabolic process. Um, I would also say stress management, especially if you're a male, uh, because testosterone levels being high will lead to higher rates of muscle protein synthesis. So if we can keep your testosterone levels high as a male, for female, it's obviously not going to be as big of a deal, but hormones in general are going to be important when building muscle. Um, but as a dude, I'd be like, man, what can you possibly do in order to like maintain your testosterone levels? So paying attention to sleep is going to be a big one. Managing stress is going to be a big one. Potentially taking some kind of, like I would, I would recommend... Um, so two supplements I take from first form. So shout out to first form is night tea and adrenal support. Adrenal support is going to be ashwagandha, rhodiola, different things that are going to help calm your nervous system down at night. Um, you take it in the morning and at night, but it's just in general, like, Hey, let's bring you down parasympathetic, recover, manage stress, lower cortisol levels. Um, and some of those ingredients are actually supporting the research to support and reduce cortisol levels, which is going to help build muscle because cortisol is catabolic. Um, but doing that, is going to be helpful. The night tea is like uh, magnesium, zinc, both of which when depleted can lead to lower levels of testosterone, um, but they have to be depleted. So you can't just take zinc and increase your testosterone levels. But if you have deficient levels of zinc and you take zinc, you will increase testosterone levels. The reason I would say during a deficit <clears throat> it's important is because if you, the less food you have and the more body fat you're losing, the more likely you are to become deficient in micronutrients. Totally. So zinc, magnesium, and then it has melatonin, which is going to knock you out at night, help you sleep. So um, I love taking that one before I go to bed, but that's another really good supplement that you could use during this kind of phase. Um, and then when dieting, I would say two things. One, diet on a higher carb diet. Higher carbs are going to help maintain muscle tissue better. Um, there's, there's not much research on higher carb diets being more effective during a fat loss phase in maintaining muscle tissue that I'm aware of because I don't think they've been done. There's plenty of research on weight loss studies, high carb versus low carb, and usually they're neutral, but there's a couple that are supportive of higher carb, uh, and those are in resistance trained individuals, and that's kind of my point here. If you're dieting, carbohydrates are gonna be better if you're strength training too. So if we're talking about maintaining muscle, knowing that 65% of your muscle is water, and it's only gonna be water if you have enough carbohydrates to store as muscle glycogen, which you need to eat carbs for, Going on a lower fat, higher carb diet while dieting is probably going to be effective for keeping your training alive and being able to have muscle protein synthesis from that, as well as keeping your glycogen stores full. Um, so that's going to be super helpful. And then uh, with your fats, because they're going to be a lower, actually paying closer attention to what kind of fats you're taking in. So typically monounsaturated fats are going to be, a, should be a staple because um, this is supported in some of the research and it just makes sense. Typically, like if you take saturated fat, for example, and you put it in room temperature, it gets like kind of mushy and soft. You put yep. it in the fridge, it gets solid, right? Yep. Olive oil never does that, right? It stays consistent. So there's theory that this is why a lot of saturated fat can clog your arteries, right? Yep. Well, it could also be harder to burn off if it's storing and it's getting hard on your uh, subcutaneous level. Um, 
theory, and it makes a lot of sense. However, yeah. saturated fats are also related with higher testosterone levels. So we can't eliminate saturated okay. fats. So I think having a little bit, a decent amount of saturated fats in your diet from like good healthy sources is going to help support hormone levels. And then the rest should be probably monounsaturated, like nut butters, avocado, olive oil, stuff like that, because it's going to be easier to keep producing fat loss in general. Um, but that's cut quite a bit, but this is where, like, I think this is, there's, like I said, there's this range, right? Yep. Like on one end of the range, it's like, Hey, like, I don't want to overthink this shit or I'm brand new to this stuff. And then there's the other side of the spectrum where it's like, I've been doing this a long time and I, I got every use, single piece. Yeah. I got to use everything I can because otherwise I won't create the most optimal result, you know, especially for, for me, because I did that photo shoot, we were talking about the other day when I was training. Yeah. I'm like very, very motivated to be that leaner, leaner, but heavier. So I'm like, I got to make sure I maintain every ounce of fucking muscle so that when I do the photo shoot, I'm not like, oh, I look the same and I'm like a pound heavier. Yeah. Even though that was three years ago. Like yeah. I want to be like, I'm five plus pounds heavier, which still doesn't sound like much, but five pounds of muscle is a lot. Yeah. You, know, you take a 16 ounce steak, five of those bad boys on me. Yeah. It's a lot of fucking muscle. Shame, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's not exactly like that, obviously, but similar. Good so. analogy. Yeah. Cool. That was a good answer. So let's uh, move on to the next question. It says it is, or it is from Jace D says, Hey, I love your podcast as I found it a few weeks ago. I'm a lifetime lifter and always did most powerlifting types lifts with accessory work to balance it out. I'm focusing on more physique training now that I'm getting older. I am 44 years old and I'm worrying about uh, injuries. How do I lift when I'm not trying to get bigger how wait how do i lift when i'm not trying to get bigger and just trying to l lean down and show what i've already built it's 200 uh he's 253 pounds needing to lose 40 pounds to get to 280 i'm not sure what that means lbm lean body mass 230 pounds needing to get needing to lose about 40 to get to 280 I'm not sure what that means. How much is the total weight is he? Doesn't say. So I thought I think it says two fifty three, but size and strength was was never the hard part. Just getting lean. Your diet plan is working great, just to maximize keeping as much mass as possible. Yeah, yeah. He probably made some typos in there, but yeah. in general, very similar question, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I, how do I train? So the same question we just talked about, but like, what should my training actually look like when I'm trying to lose body fat and maintain all my muscle, not build it. But here's the thing is like, he's a pretty, you're a pretty experienced lifter based on, you know, powerlifting, all that stuff. Um, you should be training like you're trying to build muscle because I can almost guarantee you, you are not going to build any muscle if you're in a serious deficit. So if you're in a big enough deficit to actually lose a lot of body fat over time, you're not going to be building muscle tissue because you're not new to this. You're not a beginner. So it's very, very difficult to be able to do that. So I would say that you should train like you're trying to build muscle. Now there's, uh, I actually was, I'm, I'm not even finished with it. There was a really good podcast. Um, Eric Helms is on, uh, it's his podcast, uh, iron culture with Omar Isaf. And they, the whole podcast is about like volume or intensity when trying to cut, like what should it be? And there's, you know, they made a lot of really good points. And one of them is something I've talked about many times. And there was this study that showed, uh, people maintain their muscle tissue with one eighth of their training volume. Um, but they were not resistance trained individuals. They weren't people like this guy asking the question. They weren't people like me. They weren't people like listen to this podcast usually. Um, and because of that, There's I wouldn't brand new people. Usually they bring people in a study, they like strength train you for eight weeks, you build X amount of muscle tissue, and then they take you off that training plan and see how much of 
like volume you need in order to maintain what you built during that eight weeks, for yeah. example, because then they can control both ends of it. Um, and I don't know if that's exactly how I do. It. I don't know if it's eight weeks. I don't remember. I didn't, I didn't really dig into it, but I remember hearing about this study way back. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy into it because the truth is, is the longer you've been strength training, the, the harder it is to build muscle and the more important it is to maintain muscle. And so just like a newbie can, can initiate gains really easily, like they don't have to do much, they're going to be able to maintain gains very easily without doing much. So I think that it's important for people who are very, very advanced to probably not do that. So like the analogy Eric gave, which is really good, is like basically like and what it takes for me to maintain muscle is going to be a really difficult program for you, yeah, Travis, because you don't train the same way I do. Yeah. So we're on different spectrums. So yeah. I have to do way less than what I'm doing now, but that's all you have to do to put on a lot of muscle, right? And so I think that's probably the case with this guy is like you would be on a beginner's gaining program in order to maintain muscle. Now, I think you don't have to go into the weeds with it. I think that you should um, – I think you should lower volume a little bit and keep intensity – from an effort perspective, as high as you possibly can. Because the truth is, is what, what really boils down to building muscle, maintaining muscle is your proximity to failure. So there's this argument of like, well, if tension is what, like mechanical tension on the muscle is what stimulates growth and stimulates maintenance, then I don't have to do a lot of volume. I can actually do less reps and lift heavy and just create a lot of mechanical tension, which is true. You can. Um, and then the other person could say, well, I could just do really high reps and I could create a lot of mechanical tension, and that's all I'd have to do. And that's also correct. So it kind of comes down to preference. Both of those scenarios have one thing in common, that's proximity to failure. So this guy lifts for five reps, but he's one rep shy of failing with a heavy load. This person does 20 reps, but he's also one rep shy of failure with a lighter load. Both of them did the same thing. It's just a different set and rep scheme. I think you should first decide on which path you like better. So this guy's a power lifter. I would probably go towards the other side, right? Where it's like, do what you've always done because that's what you like doing and that's going to maintain muscle just as well. Or no doing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The only other thing I would say is that probably not in his case, but you know, strength is a skill. So you can actually gain strength while losing fat and being in a deficit. It's not impossible, especially if you've already fine tuned the skill really well. Now you're just practicing, right? If, if I've been throwing a baseball for years and then I like deplete all my energy, I'm still going to be able to get good at throwing a baseball. I just might not be able to throw it as long. Mm. Right? Like, I'm not going to be able to stay here for two hours. Throwing. I'll probably stay here for like 30 minutes because I don't have as much energy. But the skill, I can still get better at that skill because I'm practicing the movement. That's how strength works. That's not how bodybuilding and high volume training works because you are literally basing your amount of volume off of glycogen reserves. Um, but then the other caveat is, in my experience, you're way more likely to get injured doing a three rep max or even five to six rep set on a trap bar deadlift or a straight bar deadlift or a barbell squat than you are on a leg press machine. You know what I mean? Because you can just go, oh shit, and just yep. lock it. And you're like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to fail with the bar on your back. You're not going to like tweak your back, lift them off the floor. Machines are kind of like foolproof for that reason. And I think that's why a lot of bodybuilders use it. You can really create a ton of tension on the muscle without fucking up your joints. And during a diet, you can keep doing that. So I typically go more of the bodybuilding route when I'm dieting because I don't want to hurt myself. And knowing I can still gain strength while being in a deficit I know that the I could keep going heavier and heavier, even though I'm having less energy and I'm more injury Absolutely. prone, right? So I would typically recommend doing um, 
lower intensity, so higher rep training, more bodybuilding style stuff. But I would also recommend just dropping your volume a little bit only because, you know, for the first however many weeks, you might be able to sustain a high volume program. But at a certain point, you're going to be getting fatigued. You're not going to be able to sustain that and your recovery is going to go to shit. So um, the best approach, in my opinion, is to lower your volume enough to where your recovery is still there and you can still hit a close enough proximity to failure to maintain all your muscle tissue and create that stimulus of growth. Even though you won't grow, you'll just maintain. And that's usually going to be like uh, being one to three reps shy of failure on everything you do. It's like an RPE eight. And nine's a failure. Ten would be failure. Well, yeah. yeah. But yeah. All right, cool. Um, Let's move on. Here we got one coming from Lisa Carp. Says, I am 56, done a couple fitness shows. Last one, I was 43. I struggle now with holding onto muscle and keeping belly fat at bay. I work out five to six days a week, try to keep valves around 15, oh, calories, uh, around 1,500. I'm 5'9 and 170. I'm just not sure what the question, question is. is. Um uh, A lot of questions about maintaining muscle. Yeah. Okay, so like, I think, I mean, obviously, we're coming up to summer. People are like, okay, I'm going to do a diet. How do I make sure I maintain muscle? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to answer that question, but I am going to bring up something that might be interesting to people. Um, when trying to cut for summer and you're trying to maintain muscle, and you're trying to diet and all those things, we are less than two months away. I mean, I guess it depends where you live. I mean, some places it's basically yeah, fucking two months, summer. Two months, yeah. For here, we're like two months three and a half months and then we'll have two weeks of summer and then we'll be done. (laughs) Um, but, but no, like we're, we're approaching it. So the reason I'm saying this is because a lot of times people diet right now and then like they might be lean enough by the time summer hits and then they're in this low deficit and they're trying to have social events on stuff. So like I would advise, this is one of the times where I would advise probably adding some kind of cardio into it. I don't think cardio is the best means. I think dieting is a better resource, but there is some interesting research on uh, aerobic fitness actually uh, decreasing adipose tissue on uh, your stomach. So there's a specific word for it, um, and I can't think of what it is. When it's adipose tissue, is fat tissue, but there's, um, or maybe adipose tissue is right around your abdominals. I'm tripping, but fat around your stomach. Yeah. Um, and the reason I bring this up is because like now might be the time that you want to do some of that. So if we're trying to maintain muscle and we're trying to get leaner and a lot of times people who are like this individual where they have competed, they've done all stuff. Usually the midsection is like right where we want to attack it. Maybe you, you consider doing some more cardio, but when you do it, I would be really smart about it and uh, make sure you're doing either low intensity cardio at a separate time. Um, but I, this is where I would probably encourage, and this is why I'm doing like one minute intervals. I can't sprint for a full fucking minute, but I can run really hard and then I can walk for two minutes. I'm, I'm burning a lot of calories I'm from like a high intensity perspective because my heart rate's getting up, but I'm doing it for a longer period of time. I'm, I, so I'm improving my aerobic fitness. And there was actually a research study that compared 30 second intervals to one minute intervals. And uh, the, the main difference they saw was that their aerobic capacity improved more on the one minute, which would be obvious. You're running for a longer period of time. Um, but there's association with aerobic fitness levels and lower abdominal fat. So in my mind, it's like, hey, you're trying to maintain muscle. Uh, you're going to want to strength train, which means you're going to have to try to keep ca- carbs and calories a little bit high enough to strength train hard. You're going to have to get enough protein. Might be a good time to add in some like intervals like I'm doing or something like that to try to remove the fat tissue you really want to get gone. And then also not tank your calories too much because we're going into summer. Totally. You know, it's and then it's easier to be flexible with more calories in your diet. Yeah. It, was it? 
V-I-S-C-R-A-L. Visceral. Visceral fat. Um, it might be. I'm pretty sure. That's what it's saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, visceral fat is usually around your organs, so I guess, yeah, because your organs are all in your stomach. I'm, I think, like, lungs, stuff in your chest, but I guess. Wraps around your abdominal organs. Yeah. There you go. Touche. So, I guess most of your organs are all in your trunk anyway. Yeah. Right? So. All right, good. We got a next question we got is from Darren Jones. I was just wondering how you maintain fat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> says, I seem to be regressing, not progressing with pull-ups. It's driving me insane. Last summer, I could do nearly four times 12. Today, I struggle with two times 10 full full sets. The other two sets I, ha- I do are very stop-start, and eventually I do four times 10, but they're done in clusters. I have been eating well and been trying to gain... Um, since 2022, I have tried to lose some extra fat I have gained, and I have cut from 81 kilograms to 77 kilograms. I'm worried I'm losing strength. Any advice? That's tough because, I mean, if you're losing body weight, you should be able to do more. Um, but I've also seen this, too, where, it like, like, I'm like, okay, well, how often are you doing this? Like, well, I do it at every training session. Oh, well, when was the last time you didn't, like, didn't give yourself it. a break, you know? Or when was the last time you deloaded? know uh, what other lifts are you doing like people don't think about the things around it so one of the the most difficult things about a pull-up is is i mean pulling yourself up but <laughs> your grip a lot of people yeah. don't think about that so a lot of times they're like man i did four sets 10 easy last week and i didn't do it this week i'm like okay well what did you do the session before this pull-up session last week it's like oh, actually uh, i missed the gym okay what did you do before this week deadlifts and farmers carries Okay, your grip is fucking smashed, and then you go in the gym and the next day and try to do pull-ups, no shot. Um, if you haven't deloaded in weeks, you might just need to deload. One of the, the key indicators of neurological strength is grip strength. So one of the things we used to do to see if it was time for deload is test your grip strength, and we would have a metric of our, what our grip strength was, and then after three, four weeks of this training block, we would test our grip strength, and if it was sinking, then we'd go, okay, it's time for a deload. If it was still strong, we're like, hey, let's push the deload out a week, and you can try to milk as long as you can. So... It might just be grip strength. You might just need a deload. Simple as that. Um, and there's also not anything wrong with doing how you're doing. I think that a lot of times people have to make the mistake of like, if you're just doing four sets of as many reps you can, and you're hoping that that grows. I would actually encourage you to do clusters. Do four sets, but do f- two sets of five on each set. So do five reps that are perfect, full range of motion, getting into good thoracic extension. That's another people don't thing people don't think about. If you don't have good overhead mobility or thoracic extension, you're not going to be able to fully activate your lats or get yourself into a good position. That's why if you ever see pictures of me doing a pull-up or a lat pull-down, it almost looks like I'm like hyperextending my back and leaning back. It's because I'm going into thoracic extension. When I do that, my scapula drops and I can actually fire my fucking lats and I can get into that position. I know the most on farmer's carries. Like when you roll your shoulders? Oh, yeah. Is that that's not the same thing? No, that's different. Um, think of like when I'm on the lat pull down, it's almost like I'm leaning away from it, you totally. know? With farmer's carries, it's more of like a shrug and a retraction because yeah. I want my upper back firing. But you actually keep your rib cage tucked so your thoracic is stable uh-huh. versus extension. Um, but point being is people aren't working that joint mobility. They're just trying to pull up. Um, I also think there's value in doing like band assisted or jackknife pull ups and stuff like that so that you can do it with perk form. Sometimes people are swinging and shit. And then when. The problem with having bad form or cheat reps or junk volume or anything like that is you limit your ability to actually track progress. Because if I'm swinging and I'm cheating into it, how can I mimic that every single time? 
You can't yeah. because you're going to have compensation. You're going to have different like amounts of momentum. Every time you swing, it's it's like when I, I when I think of this, I think of like when I go golfing or I shoot basketball. If you watch me play, every single swing or every single shot looks different because mm-hmm. I don't know how to shoot <laughs> or swing. So like I can't improve something that's constantly changing. And part of the reason it constantly changes is because I never fucking do it. Totally. So when I go to do it, I'm like sitting there trying to figure out the best swing. And then when I finally feel like true I did it, true in anything. I leave. And yeah. then I come back four months later <laughs> and do it again. Um, but that's the same thing here. So, so the, the key is perfect your form and then just repeat it that way. If you need to do band-assisted pull-ups to perfect your form first, then that's what you should do. Yeah. Right? So, um, and then the other way, like just general advice outside of like the mobility and the form, uh, the assistance for improved form, like for increasing your, your pull-ups in general, uh, don't just do pull-ups all the time. Like there is a skill component that's smart. Do some pull-ups. Do some pull-downs with different grips variations. Um, do some like single-arm overhead pulls. So whether you're doing like a single-arm lat pull-down or you're doing like a moto row where you're in quadruped position, do some like lat pullover so you can really stretch your lats at the top. Like you should be doing, you could do like scap raises even. So like grab a, a, like a lat pull-down and you're just like elevating and depressing your scapula so you can get your uh, scapula moving properly. Um, do Gross. all these little accessories so that you can get yourself better at the things that are going to help that it's like if somebody's like man i can't uh i can't get over this like bench press plateau i'm like oh what are you doing he's like four sets five what else are you doing nothing just four sets five it's like okay well how about you do four sets of three and add some weight or how about you do four sets of eight and add some volume how about you add a slow negative how about you add some bat- bands how about you do some tricep work because your lockout sucks how about you do some push-ups because your 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 press off the chest sucks or some prim presses like nobody fixes a plateau by just doing the same fucking thing yeah. you implement accessory movements to improve it yeah um because it sucks <laughs> not that it could improve it's just <laughs> but that's a good point that's a good way to look at it i guess because there's so many different variables that can help that yeah. lift yeah. so like film yourself film there yourself you doing a pull-up and then really like if you can't have somebody else do it but yeah. look at it and go like what is wrong with this where's yeah. my weak point or post it in the facebook group and someone else can help you yeah there you yeah. go exactly i'm just saying if you don't know what's wrong with it yeah 100 reach out yeah Cool. All right. Um, we will move on to another question we got from Sarah Crowhurst. It says, on the back of your advice, I've gone back to eating in a deficit to try and lean out some more. I find eating in a deficit far easier than eating in maintenance. I've always found, quote unquote, maintenance very hard for me. Is this something you've experienced with past clients? And if so, what advice have you given them? I'm just intrigued by my adherence being better in a deficit than at maintenance. You are one of a kind. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I think uh, it, it's a mental thing, honestly. Um, it's a, it's a number one, if you're really comfortable in a deficit, you're probably in a deficit too often. Um, and if you're failing to consistently eat at maintenance every now and then, you probably shouldn't even go into a deficit that often. Because you're probably not in a good place physiologically speaking, you know. You can't just constantly be in a deficit. You got to get out of it. But this is uh, this is one of those things where, like, I have seen it before. Um, almost always with women. Um, I've, I've seen it with men, too. Um, but, like, usually I see this more with women. And it's, like, the reverse process and getting to maintenance and trying to, like, restore physiological processes. We do it far more often with women than men. We work with more women than men, typically. But in general, we just see that more with women than we do men. Um, I, don't, I mean, most of the time, the issue I struggle with with guys, 
when we're dieting is like we get like two weeks in they're like i feel weak small and pathetic and i'm like bro like you've lost like two pounds yeah like i think i'm losing muscle no you're not like you're you're fine um and that does happen like the second i start losing weight i literally feel like my clothes are getting big and i feel like tiny and it's like no it's just it's an illusion Uh, it's like a it's like the in-between stage when you're getting a mental illusion yeah but like you know when like i mean Yes and no. So for guys, it is somewhat true. I mean, for everybody, it's somewhat true on a phallus phase because if you have muscle tissue and you're eating a lot of food, your muscles are really full and then you start losing weight and you deplete water and glycogen first before you start losing body fat because your body will remove energy stores that are easy to remove. So the newly depleted or newly replenished glycogen will get burned off first before stored body fat does. So you really do go through a period of time where you're actually like losing some muscle tissue. So you're like muscles don't feel as full. You don't get as good pumps in the gym. And then once your body starts burning body fat and your insulin sensitivity improves and you get leaner, now you're storing carbohydrates really well from your diet and you start getting better pumps again. So it kind of goes in waves. And it's like I said, it's like a haircut. Mm. You get a haircut, you look fucking fresh. And then about like a week and a half in, it's kind of like in that in-between phase where like you really need a haircut, but it's not that long and it's just kind of shaggy. Or if you're trying to grow out your hair, it's even worse. Yeah. Like, it looks good when it's long, and it looks great when it's short, but yep. in between, you look like a child with a bowl cut. <laughs> Maybe that's so true. No, absolutely. Uh, the 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 Caesar that's too long yeah. is just no, not a good oh look. Oh, my God. Um, but, uh, so, but yes, yeah, so, like, with women, that's it is common. Like, I see it with that, uh, multiple people. Um, my advice uh, is, honestly, educate yourself. I mean, I, I literally... I literally just got off the phone. Um, I had a couple client calls today. Literally just got off the phone with a client who struggles with this, and it is a male. And I basically had to have a come to Jesus moment with him. Like really, that's and that's why we had the call is because it was like, dude, I I gotta like like force you to eat more, do that. And this isn't the first time I've done this, but I asked him to film himself breaking his scale and throwing it in the dumpster <laughs> like literally and i was like i will buy you the nicest fucking scale amazon can afford as if you follow the protocol but the scale stops him from doing it because the second the scale goes up he gets in his own head and then he sabotages himself and then he goes mia and then i gotta blow him up and then he finally checks in and it's like this back and forth and he knows it and he admits it and like so the conversation we had is like dude we got to go back into this with full transparency full communication you got to fucking toss that scale you just got to follow my lead because if you don't you're going to be doing this this dance for a long time you're running on a treadmill you're going nowhere yeah. but you're sprinting you know yeah. so there's a lot of times where that's the case and i think that ultimately it comes down to a mindset so with him i had to really educate him on like okay like why would we want to gain weight why is gaining weight good when is it good um why is it also productive for losing weight in the future, right? Because like right now we need to gain weight to improve hormone and health levels and then eventually to lose body fat. How does it all link, right? Because if I'm like, hey, I want you to gain weight, you're like, I don't want that. I'm like, this is going to help you get lean. This is going to help you get to the physique you want, especially if you want a muscular lean physique. Like we have to take steps before we can get there um, if it's health related. So I had to really, really sit down and educate him on all that. And then we had a discussion about how the scale is not who you are. Like, that's not your identity. And, it, like, the easiest way for me to describe it is, like, you don't walk around with a fucking name tag on with your weight on it, right? Or people don't say, like, hey, like, my name's Cody. How much do you weigh? Like, it just doesn't matter, right? And typically, if I go up to somebody, I'm like, God damn, dude, you look great. What have you been doing? Just been working out, eating well, man. I've been following a diet. I've been training. Like, I'm working really hard. Dope. Yeah. End of conversation. You don't have to tell me your weight. I'm not going to ask you. <laughs> like, that's just how it is. Um, and I think there's been some people that have overcome this, and I actually encourage them to tell their weight when the person says that. 
because if they gained weight, I think it's really powerful for to other women, other people to hear. Totally. So like I've told this to women before where it's like, hey, w- now that you've overcome this, you've gained some weight, but you actually look leaner because you've built muscle. We've done this properly. Next time somebody says, you look awesome, what have you been doing? Tell them that you've been gaining weight so that they can have a fucking light bulb moment of like, <laughs> oh, wait, weight's not the only thing for health. Like they weight may, loss. They may still not even believe them. Like it's just because it's such a negative hundred percent. Yeah. But it might get their wheels turned. Maybe. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, I had, so before that call, I had another call with another client who was a female going through the same thing. And it was like, Hey, I don't want to weigh in. And I was like, no, I want you to weigh in every single day. So polar opposite, but same issue. But for her, as I explained, like the obstacle is the way, like I need you to step on the scale every single day so that you can see that it's just a number and that does fluctuate. And that now that we can pull up your pictures and your measurements and they're improving, even though you gained a pound, you can see that that's not the only thing. Then I shared with her, uh, uh, the reverse diet blog I did on the website with Meredith after a year, so it was 13 month process. And she's like her before and after is fucking insane. Like complete transformation. She weighs exactly the same in both pictures. Like almost to the point where I was like, I need to check this over and over again. Cause it literally looks so dramatically different. She looks leaner, more fit, but she didn't gain or lose anything. But it's because she did things right. And over the course of a year, she reversed, maintained, yeah. lost fat, built muscle and went through that whole process. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot here, but I think in general, I think ultimately it comes down to education as to why all these different phases are important, understanding the periodization long-term. So understanding that what you do right now isn't your permanent state for the rest of your life, right? Unless you're obese and you're looking to lose a hundred pounds and keep that off for the rest of your life. What you're doing right now is just setting you up for the next phase yep. in a lot of situations. Um, it should be. It should be, right? And, and even if that phase is maintenance, it's still like this is right now. Focus on the right now. If you need to be in maintenance, you need to be in maintenance. If you need to be in deficit, you need to be in deficit. Um, and then it's a mindset thing. It's really like working on that mental side of things. Now, outside of that, like the only advice I can give you to hit maintenance easier is just to, just to buck up and eat more food. Find calorie-dense foods. Find ways to eat more often. Sneak extra calories in. Drink some liquid calories if you need to. Like, there's a lot of easy ways to do it. I think people just, I think people say it's really hard or they avoid it because it's mentally hard to eat more food and to potentially gain weight. Or inconvenient. I mean, if you're busy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, some people take priority over other things. But it's but at the same time, like like I'm really busy. And like the difference is this is like, oh, like I'm so busy, I'm gonna eat this chicken. Okay, well if I'm so busy I need more calories, eat a steak instead. Eat ground beef instead. Mm. There's an extra two hundred calories. Mm. Put some olive oil in there when you cook it. It's an extra hundred calories. You know what I mean? It's really yeah. easy. Yeah. Um you can eat three thousand calories in two meals by just doing stuff like that. It's not that difficult. Wow. Um and and the thing is too is like if you don't know how, Google it. There's a lot of good information out there. You know what I mean? Like we put out a lot of information that we can help you with that. But I think ultimately you just got to do it. Yeah. You just got to do it. If you care about your body, you'll do it. You'll find a way. Love it, man. All right, cool. That was the last one for this episode, guys. Go ahead and check out those blogs that Cody mentioned, the reverse diet blog at taylorcoachmethod.com slash blogs. Yep. Um, or just blog. I don't know. One of the two, but those are there. There's actually a few case studies on there that you guys can check out. Um, and make sure you guys check out the YouTube video we launched as this airs last week. And there's going to be another one coming next week. 
and the week after, whatever week this is that this airs, there's there's a YouTube video this week. So <laughs> we're gonna be dropping these every Thursday. Yep. Every Thursday morning, we're dropping a new video. So go check that out. Um, I'm really really excited about these. They turned out super good, and we're getting a ton of great feedback. So make sure you go over to the channel, you hit subscribe, you watch the video, you like the video, turn on the little bell alert things, um, and make sure you give us some feedback on it because that helps the algorithm get more people to watch it. And we're we're finding new people, and we're reaching new people, and we're helping new people because it's a new platform for us. So um, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to the podcast and we will catch you next time.